It's only a game, so put up a real good fight. I'm gonna be snookering you tonight. I'm framed for my aim, so you better believe I'm right. I'm gonna be snookering you, snookering you tonight. Big break. Ah, oh, love it. Great days. Your shot. Thank you. Uh, it's a black ball game currently, ladies mm. and gentlemen listening. Um, I'm oh, oh, probably about four inches. I'm, I reckon I'm going to finish this. Anyway, here what we go. Are, what are you? <laughs> I'm going to finish this off. Oh, finishing off your four inches. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game God. of snooker, Rob. Come on, man. I just sang the big break theme tune. <laughs> Jesus. Talked enough about your rods and cues. We don't need any more of that. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's God, I mean, this is very reminiscent, isn't it? 1986 Black Ball final, was it? Yeah, something was like it? that. Mid-80s, 19, mid-80s. Uh, mid-80s, heyday. Yeah, God, 20 million people, I think. Well, we, there's one, two, seven people in here, but almost uh, as many as that. Anyway, go on, finish off your four yeah. inches. Oh, oh, That's... God. You've rimmed it. Oh, it's just around the pocket. Oh, it's my shot now. My shot, let's see. Go on. Okay, go on then, Rob. Oh, it's always hard. To, I don't... Oh, is it a rest or not a rest? Oh, it's uh, just a bit awkward, isn't it? I'm going to have to get the leg over. Hang on. Cock your leg. Get your leg over, mate. Yeah. You're good at that. Oh, oh it's hard. Can't get my action. Oh, God. It's <laughs> always just too big, the tables are. That's why I prefer pool. You just... It's every little... You know, every little oh, millimetre right. counts. Oh, I've left I'm this gonna, right oh, over oh, the oh. pocket for you now. Yeah, I'm going to nail it. Here we go. Little backspin. Don't follow through. Back. Don't follow through. Oh, uh, well we done. Well Thank done. you very much. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Oh, very, well very done. good. Oh, so what's that? Three, three, two, was it? Best of five? Three, Thank two, you very yeah, much. Very good. We'll take that. We run out of pound very coins very now anyway, good. so that, that's me. Yeah, the lecky meat is going down. Yeah. Ah, a bit of snooker. A bit of yeah, snooker on it. have a lot of snooker recently, haven't you? Oh, I love a bit of snooker, I do. Mm. I've, um, this year especially, I've been... I've been playing not only at the Stage Athletic Clubhouse, at the Hill and Cakemore Liberal Club in Blackheath. Oh, yeah. It's in... always a Liberal Club, a, la- a Labour Club, a yeah, Conservative yeah. Club, a Snooker Club. And we get down there probably once a week, me and um, Steve Smith, we're, uh, we're playing at the moment. Yeah. Not the cricketer. It's <laughs> <No. laughs> not me, Steve Smith. Small break from West Indies. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we'll have a few frames. Love a bit of snooker, me. It's incredibly difficult. Oh, it's so if... hard. I think most of us will identify with playing pool. You know, it's something we can all do a lot quicker. The tables, you know, I I would say like a fifth of the size, a quarter of the size at least. Mm. And so just the millimetre of an angle over that distance suddenly makes you look an absolute fool. You know, if you just missed a pool shot, you've, you've... Hit the cushion and missed by three inches on a snooker table. Yeah, definitely missed by uh, yeah. quite a few. <laughs> definitely missed. How many tizers have you had, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> One too many. Um, but yeah, it's an incredibly difficult game. Um, like you say, the, the snooker tables are massive, and you know the tactics. With you're right because with Paul, if you miss, I mean nine times out of ten, you'll probably have another shot on your next shot, or yeah, something, or an ankle to get in on. But um, the tactics with snooker, it's a really really tough game. But I bought um I bought a queue. I've got a pew. Uh, a pew. Oh, really? I've got a I've got a queue. Uh, it was twenty quid from Sports Direct, to which I went down to the Hill and Cape Moor Liberal Club, and the gaffer there, who is also called Steve, uh, took one look at the queue and went. 
that's a load of shite that is <laughs> how much was that and i went 20 quid from sports direct to which he he it was a t- it's like two parts he screwed it together put it on the table which is obviously flat rolled it and the angle in between the q-tip and the butt of the q at the end there must be like six or seven inches difference as he's rolling it it's a really bad kid yeah 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 yeah. what about you you played a bit of snooker in your day what am i uh Pot the reds then screw back for the yellow green brown blue pink and black snooker loopy nuts oh we we're all snooker a loopy um that's <laughs> that was Chaz and Dale's big hit do you remember that yeah great song yeah, yeah I remember that song yeah. snooker loopy nuts oh we were the pint of piss and a bucket of wheat those aren't the lyrics but no, I like no, it anyway no. um but um well my sister dated a really good snooker player for a little while and in the dining room of our house back in Gawthorpe, we did have a pool table top, a lead, ah. old lead pool table top that would you put on a dining room table. And mm-hmm. so you'd have to catch the balls when they went through the pockets because some of them didn't have the nets and there wasn't the infrastructure underneath the pool table. But it was a proper lead, heavy pool table top. And he would come round and uh, teach me a few moves. And I got quite good playing regularly at pool with him. And these days, you know, if a little lazy Sunday afternoon when you go for a pint and there's a pool table and yeah. you're with your mates and you have a few great um, few frames, then, um, you know, I can hold my own. I, I would say I'm in the sort of top, you know, 10, 15 okay. percentile of, uh, of friendship groups. We should have groups. a game. Have you ever snooker, been to, no. um, it's too hard. It's snooker, too snooker's hard. too hard. Okay, fair enough. I mean, we, maybe we should have a game. Mm. Have you ever been to? Um, I might get it right. Quite, is it Canavans or Caravans in Peckham? I haven't snooker hall. No, it used to be. I had a few friends who lived south of the river. Ooh, don't like going south of the river because I'm a <laughs> North London boy. Um, it's proper south of the river in Peckham. They lived. They went to Goldsmiths Uni, so they lived around Newcross and Peckham and places like that. There's a there's a snooker hall there, and I think it is Canavans or Caravans. Yeah, and it used to be open twenty four hours. Yeah, so you go are out. Those places. Yeah, yeah, they really are. So you used to go out and go to the pub, and then you go to a few bars, go into London, and then you come back. Um, and we'd be in there at like four or five o'clock in the morning, and mm. it would be rammed just full of students playing snooker until the sun came up it was absolutely brilliant maybe we should go there yeah maybe we should relive our teens and our youth and oh, we should I love go that. there That'd be great and a few pints it's a nice little evening yeah. i like those sort of barroom gamey things they're always good fun um, yeah definitely did you listen to the ronnie o'sullivan amal rajan interview recently uh no i haven't because he's just uh well apparently at the time of recording uh he just won the uk championship for yes. the eighth time yeah so what was the uh what was the interview a that? really good interview actually it's on bbc iplayer for anyone who wants to look into it. it's only half an hour long but it's interesting and um you know he's such a complex man isn't was, he who's had exactly an extraordinary was, life yeah. dad yeah. banged up for murder his mum banged up for fraud at one point um mm. His own battles with alcoholism, uh, overeating, mental mm. health issues. But this tortured genius who'd been playing from such a young age um, mm. and really is probably the GOAT, isn't he? 110%. Mm. The greatest snooker player. It's really interesting. I mean, I, I've watched I watched the tournament last week um, and he is just such a complex individual. Um 
psychologically i mean he's fascinating i haven't watched his documentary yet that's on is it amazon i think it's amazon or netflix one or other mm. um that david beckham's production company actually made i think right i haven't watched that yet but i'm going to give it a watch because he's an interesting complex character but in interviews he's just so fascinating to watch because he's so because he started working with a psychologist a few years ago maybe pre-pandemic a sports psychologist which i think is sort of the in thing to do now because yeah. mental health is and rightly so is more at the forefront of everyone's minds now which is a great thing he sort of took it on to to get his head sort of settled because i mean he used to go pretty mad i mean his emotions were so yeah. fervently at the table and on any, we've spoken before in individual sports you've got to keep a you've got to keep a lid on it to to get the best out of yourself yeah um or to use it at least to your advantage and he seems to have trod the line so delicately over his career but he is the go he's managed to do it i mean an eighth uk championship he's won he's probably got the most 147s the most centuries his careers i mean how old was he when he won his first uk championship like 18 he was the youngest he's now the oldest winner of it yeah he's an amazing player well he talks about he holds the record for the fastest 147 which is about five minutes and something which is extraordinarily quick Ridiculous. for any frame yeah. of snooker let alone a maximum 147 but yeah. he talked about how he was just people on the outside were saying that he was just in the flow. It was instinctive. He was playing brilliantly and without thought and consideration. He was so quick and instinctive, but he was saying he was playing through fear that he yeah. was anxious. He just, he didn't want to allow himself to think because he wasn't in a good place. And he knew that he just had to just play instinctively during that period mm -hmm. of time, but driven by fear. And that was really fascinating that he also said that he knew he wasn't going to win that tournament that year. Even though the outside world was thinking, look at that frame, it's incredible, it's absolutely career-defining, it's never been seen before in snooker, he's the best of all time, etc. Surely he's going to go on and win. And he didn't, and he said he knew he wouldn't because he just wasn't in the right place. And it made me think more broadly about how mindset and where you are in relationship to what you're doing and the instinct and the... A hundred percent. Just as a performer, but also... As, as particularly as a sports person, whether you just know, you have moments whether you are just on it and you know when you're not, when you're in slightly in your head, you're second guessing, you're slightly outside your body, watching what's going on as a performer. It's a really interesting place to be that you can't control. No, yeah, you can't. And uh, it's, it's really interesting you liken it to a performer as well, because in moments like... I don't know if you feel the same, but in in moments when I'm an, when I'm actor and I'm sort of in it and on it, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm literally not thinking yeah. about anything. You're just sort of in the zone, and you can't control it. Sometimes you try and evoke that level of of awareness or sort of lack of awareness. It's really quite difficult, but it's sort of like a white noise, and you just slot into this instinctive mode, and that's where the best really comes out. And it, talking to Ron, talking about Ronnie and hearing him talk. I mean, one, I mean, talking about that, the example you've just given, like, you don't know what's going on in anyone's head at any one given time. No. I mean, he was perceived to be being, you know, totally on it and, you know, um, just the best player and all that kind of stuff. When inside, he's openly come out and said, I'm shitting myself, but just went on instinct and kind of locked into that zone and carried on and performed. And that's where the best stuff came out of it. But it is a really interesting idea that, like, there's that fine balance between overthinking and underthinking. And it's like the idea of just being and existing and trusting and not overthinking and being in that moment. And he seems to be able to do that. Yeah. 
and how any professional performer or sports star that's all well and good like there is the mindset of being in the moment but that's got to be underpinned by mm. hours upon hours upon hours yeah. of rehearsal and technique yeah. and practice and training so yeah. that you are you have the muscle memory and you have the instinct you have all the options available to you in your body because you've explored them in a rehearsal context a lot or as a tennis player or a snooker player you've hit a million shots yeah and the, the default is 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 that level of, yeah. of rehearsal almost or that level of training or so practice. that when performance comes you can elevate your performance you can elevate your game knowing that you've got the core foundation of all the building blocks that you've put into place before yeah. then and that and he seems to be really, he seems that's to be the art of, oh that is the art i think that's the perfect word for it and he seems to be one of those individuals that has been because he's had such a you know traumatic and in terms of experiences of growing up and his parents and all that kind of stuff he's so sort of aware of his mental health that he he's so open about being able to talk about getting a psychologist in to keep him going and mm. it's obviously helped i mean he's, he's so fantastic at his 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 game he's he's and he is just a joy to watch and you see steve davis and stephen hendry and talking to hazel Irvin in in the uh in the in the punditry in between frames and stuff and they're like he's just so exciting to watch because it's Ronnie O'Sullivan. He's 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 just he's got this level in him that we just love to watch, and there is that air of unpredictability about him as well that's really fascinating to watch as 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 somebody watching it as a as a theatre goer, as it were. Uh, speaking of theatres, it's interesting. You know, the World Championship is at the Crucible Theatre, yeah. which is obviously the theatre in Sheffield, and the UK Championships, which has happened last week in York at the Barbican Theatre. They host these games. Have you ever been to a live snooker game, professional game? I've, I nearly went this year, actually. When I sort of got into snooker this year, playing it, we were going to go to a, um, it was sort of like a tour stop that was in Wolverhampton, yeah. but it wasn't a theatre. But um, it's really interesting you talk about them both being in theatres, the Crucible and the Barbican, respectively. All the players keep talking them as arenas. Yeah. Every time I hear them talk about it, it's, like, it's just so fantastic to be playing in this arena. Yeah. So many people here, and the atmosphere is going to be amazing. I'm like, too right. It's a theatre. Yeah. It's built for play. It's built for things like this. Yeah, focusing um, the action. It's, really it's cool. quite unique uh, that sport is played literally in theatres. I can't think of another yeah. sport that would do that. Maybe. Hey, squash was at the rep this year, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had some squash at the Birmingham rep this oh, year. Wow, that's mad. Yeah. Um, which um, is quite bizarre. But yeah, it's but hard yeah, to think right, of totally. another, another. I mean, we talk of sporting theatre, etc. And, you know, we banged on about the, the overlap in our podcast. But there's a lot of moving snooker, isn't there, to try and move it away from the Crucible, the World Championship, and get it in a much bigger arena where they can make the money mm. and sell it to bigger crowds. And there's a two schools of thought. A lot of players really love the tradition. It's iconic. They want to go there. There's the intimacy and melting pot Crucible, or literally the Crucible, um, in terms of that idea of you know the flame yeah. happening in the hottest point in terms of atmosphere. And they want to maintain that and they want to be part of the history and tradition. And then there's others are like, bloody awful, we're in tiny dressing rooms, the media room's ridiculous, let's bugger off and get into a big, you know, Wembley arena or something. Yeah, which would, and I'm totally for the former. I mean, it's like, it is white hot in that room. And, and, And like in any individual sport, 
it, it, it's it's like well in any sport where you have to be quiet i've said this so many times on this podcast yeah like where you have to be quiet and you just want to go Ugh! i've said about you know being at the world at the wimbledon men's final yeah. you just hear the clinking of champagne and go, oh god oh god yeah. and it's the same with i'd be exactly the same at snooker it's just white hot precision and those players ronnie you know obviously the master or the unmaster of it is he would like to say because he's very humble he plays himself down a lot of the time um you know they have to weather that all the time it must be absolutely nerve-wracking yeah totally nerve-wracking um so you know the heyday of snooker was before your time it was really in the 80s and before when it was shown on terrestrial tv the whole nation tuned into the big games and the characters became really famous people steve davis henry dennis taylor obviously alex hurricane higgins jimmy white iconic jimmy white all these people really big really transcending the sport when when what's the first era when did you first sort of recognize who were the, the players of your I mean, era it was ronnie coming through but it was definitely the end of steve davis stephen hendry i saw a bit of jimmy white higgins um they were like isn't it the class of 92 they talk about um and they were still playing john higgins do you mean as opposed to alex higgins or do you remember sorry it? yes yeah, john. yeah do you because he'll john be more higgins. your time yeah yeah, 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 John Higgins, yeah. Those were sort of my, my kind of era of snooker players. But my my, I'm, my dad used to watch snooker. He was a proper Yorkshireman from York. And my uncle, who still loves up, lives up in York, is constantly trying to get me to go up to the Barbican and see it. And I really should go, actually. I'd love to go to the Barbican and watch some snooker there. Yeah. Um, but it used to be on in my my uncle, when we used to go and visit up there, my uncle lived in Acom, which is just outside. It's just like a council estate, ex-council estate in west york west side of york city center yeah um traditional house um used to live there with my grandma lena but i remember it being on and and you know where they were all smoking indoors and all that kind of stuff i remember being a kid with on a big box television and being fascinated by the different colors and asking the rules of the colors and all that kind yeah. of stuff but my dad and and my uncle roy they, they absolutely adored it and that's probably and it would have been yeah davis jimmy white um, Higgins coming through, maybe what well, probably that was probably just before Ronnie O'Sullivan and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that was my era. Yeah, and Dennis Taylor's was it? Didn't he have jam jar glasses? Those well, yeah, the sort Dennis of inverted ones? glasses because they had to be yeah, high yeah. on the face. So when you lean down on the table, you still yeah, have the, the, the lenses in view. But yeah, it became a an iconic, much uh, parodied look over the times where people would always turn their own specs upside down when they were playing <laughs> snooker and yeah. uh, we've all done yeah. that a million times. <laughs> but it's interesting and I, I like to look into the origin of this, but I don't know. Snooker obviously then is hugely popular in China, in Malaysia, in Thailand. Yeah. And yeah. I, I wondered, I mean, there were some iconic players, I guess, who found success James Watana, I, I remember as a player. Ding Jun Hugh was a big first? player. Marco Fu, players like that yeah. came to success. And then, you know, it's hugely, uh, hugely popular in that part of the world. And then there's the whole yeah. world of like trick snooker. That used to be fun, which of course was the bit that you were talking about in um, um, Big Break, where people used to have to set Fantastic up trick shots and stuff. Um, with John Virgo, absolutely fantastic yeah. TV show that was. John Virgo, a great commentator, worth note in any future commentary episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a really good guy. Co- yeah, but yeah, John Virgo, uh, John Virgo on Big Break, but yeah, fantastic commentator as well. And um, whispering Tedlow, it's Dave, Steve Davis now, just here, yeah. 
lining up the red. This is really crucial to unveil the pink. He's missed it. He's missed it. John Virgo. He's missed it. It's gone wide. Where's the cue ball going? Where's the cue ball going? All that kind of stuff. Can't believe he's done that. It's John Parrott then. You know, he was uh, (laughs) commenting, I can't believe he's missed it. Crazy. Doesn't sound like John, but it's just a vaguely Scouse accent. Fair enough. My John Virgo is good, wasn't it? Yeah, and now, of course, Stephen Hendry is managing to trans- transcend his boringness from the table into the commentary box here. And Ronnie O'Sullivan quite, really is got, have one you of the seen most his, exciting uh, players I've ever seen. <laughs> he's not that bad. Have you seen his YouTube channel? He's got a YouTube channel. Nice Stephen Hendry has a YouTube channel. Stephen Hendry, sorry. Stephen Hendry's got has a YouTube, YouTube channel. channel. Doing what? Yeah, he's got a YouTube channel. Playing um, snooker. Snooker? Yeah, ah, playing snooker. Fair enough. I thought, he gets, um, I thought it was him being exciting. <laughs> yeah, just him unboxing, like... Yeah. <laughs> A new Dr. Dre beats or something. No, he had um, Ben Foster was on there actually. It was a really good episode. I mean, oh, I love yeah. Ben Foster for the yeah, album. He's but great, yeah. Big snooker player, and um, Stephen Hendry was teaching how to play. I'll send it to you actually. It's a really good uh, YouTube channel. Um, just because I was doing my Stephen Hendry impression there, I'd like to transcend into my Andy Murray impression. Of course, uh, like Novak is a really obviously top player, and I'm very happy to be playing against Roger, who you know obviously is really one of the. Can you do it when he started crying when he time. lost the final? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we really, go. Yeah. Very good. It sounded yeah. like him stepping on a piece of Lego, but it's close enough. Fair enough. <laughs> That's a good impression. Very good impression. Yeah. Should we should we rack him up? Yeah, I can go again. Yeah. Yeah, it's only a game, so better believe I'm right. <laughs> We're going to be snookering you tonight. <laughs> tonight. Big fake! Now, old me, oh, we all know's got loads of deathless suits. London Brit, and he keeps his head, though he's got Italian roots. Emotional, and he keeps his cool till he reaches the finals. Then, whether he wins. Yellow, green, brown, blue, pink and black Snooker, loopy, nuts are we We 